0: Day, uh, with the first pick, we'll do a little Senior Bowl recap a few days out from the Senior Bowl conclusion, and we'll do a little look ahead at how these NFL teams in the Super Bowl, 49ers and the Chiefs, were built. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's host Rick Spielman, and uh, we're coming to you from uh, one undisclosed location. And uh, I'm in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. Uh, as you can tell, these lovely curtains here, Rick. I'm um, at the Paris. When's the last time you were in Las Vegas, Rick?
1: Uh, well, I was actually made to cut to go to the draft my first year when the draft oh, was right. out in Vegas. That's so right. that was my first assignment for CBS HQ. Uh, uh, that is also the last time you wore a
0: tie for CBS Sports HQ, if I recall correctly. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> and I refused to wear a tie going forward. <laughs> and uh, it should have been a, a harbinger of things to come when you yelled at me on day three to draft to take my tie off. Because that's the day. What's that? The working man's day? That's
1: the working man's day. And when I get back from my undisclosed location, there will continue to be numerous island shirts that I will be sporting
0: during this uh,
1: podcast of
0: ours. Nice little segue to Andy Reid, who wore his wine shirt last night at opening night. But let's start first at the Senior Bowl, you and I. Brian,
1: before we get started, why didn't you bring our, like, luxurious, over-the-top countdown to how many days until the draft (laughs) I'll tell you this: Rick. You were caught. You were hauling everything else at the senior ball. I was Thank very you. disappointed you didn't uh, have the draft countdown uh, board. It's not a clock;
0: it's just uh, a handwritten board that we are, board. yeah, are able to use. I will tell you this: I actually spent uh, way too much time that I'm willing to disclose here fixing up something for the television monitor to have with the first pick and how many days were left, so I can flash it on there but the uh, courts and such didn't reach. So that was a, an opportunity. <laughs> so I'm glad, glad you got, got a good laugh out of that. So I thought about it, but it, it did. The, uh, the gods weren't in my favor on that one. But thank you. Uh, we'll get back to that next week. We'll have the board back um, before we're – golly, the Combine's going to be here before we know it. All right. Started the Senior Bowl. You and I were both there. Uh, we saw the practices together, did a few podcasts on location from Hancock Whitney Stadium. Let's talk about some guys um, that we saw there. These guys practiced, but they didn't play in the actual game. Saturday, I was there at the game, and um, quarterback play was lacking, shall we say. But at the end of the day, let's start here. How much stock do you put in the game if you're an evaluator? Uh,
1: It's just to get out there and see some guys in live, you know, uh, hitting situations. Uh, During the practice, it's controlled just like it would be in a normal practice. Uh, You get a lot of the evaluation done during the practice, especially since there are So many one-on-one opportunities to watch these players, to kind of check the box on what you thought you saw during the season. A lot of the scouts have seen these guys play live during the season. A lot of the general managers probably haven't had that opportunity as much as the scouts have. But it's kind of fun, you know, when it's game day to see if they take it up a notch from practice. Although everybody tries to come with their A game during practice down at the Senior Bowl.
0: Yeah. And some guys really flashed during, uh, the actual game, starting with, uh, some guy named, um, Spencer Rattler, MVP, if I recall correctly, a uh, nice touchdown throw, Bo Nix, uh, only had a, both players only had a couple series or both did the most of what they had. I think Spencer was four for four or five for five and Bo went four or five. First, the incompletion was a flea flicker bomb to, to Tez Walker. I'll leave it at they that. Dropped time. it again. <laughs> he, he, it was, it would have been a tough catch, but we would like to have seen him come down with one, um, Shaw Smith, Wade, the cornerback out of Washington, State, had two interceptions, so that was that was fun. Some guys who didn't play: Michael Penix Jr. in the actual game on Saturday, Roman Wilson, your guy Jackson Powers Johnson, the uh, guard slash center from Oregon, and Ricky Pierce, all your other guy, wide receiver. And team. my other guy that did catch Spentler Rattler's touchdown. That's right, Rose Jackson. Yeah, Jackson. Absolutely. So, and Xavier Leggett ended up not dressing as well. Any concerns? you hear about any of that stuff? Some of it may be injury-related. Some of it may just be preserving themselves for down the road. Yeah. No,
1: I thought, you know, it's not a lot. At least they were down there and competing during the week as much as they could, and I understand if there's an injury. Uh, Also, you know, if you're there, it's a pretty good situation to just go out and play one more game. Um, So, But I'm not going to downgrade them. But (laughs) – I, it's not like a guy didn't show up, got invited and didn't show up because he was scared of the competition or stacking himself up against everybody. We'll get into this further because I'm sure there'll be some uh, players that decide not to participate uh, at the combine, which at, ap,
0: absolutely drove me crazy.
1: <laughs>
0: um, so Carter Bradley played in the game. Sam Hartman played in the game. And they both played a lot because there, there was a shortage of quarterbacks at, that, at various points. Both numbers were terrible. I put very little in either of those things. Offensive lines were struggling. I thought Carter Bradley had a good week. He is the quarterback from South Alabama. His dad, of course, Gus Bradley, looked uh, did not look out of place at all at any point. You know, But the quarterbacks over the course of the week, no one blew our hair back other than your guy, Spencer Rattler. Well,
1: that's, let's not use the, that term because I don't think anyone can blow that hair back, to be honest with you.
0: You want to hear a terrible story as a quick aside, and this is Debo's doing. Debo has has several strikes against him already here in Las Vegas. So we did opening night, the Pick 6 podcast, and Debo instructed Casey Wolf, which is the mascot for the Chiefs, to interrupt us during our hit and rub my head. And he went to town like he was kneading dough on my head on television. (laughs) And uh, let me just say, I think that costume has been stored in a gym locker for about – three months and they had not washed it before he got a hold of my head. So another all people have feelings too, Rick is what I'm telling you.
1: Yeah. Well that's great that your head smells like a old mascot. Uh, Jim <laughs> <uniforms. sucks. laughs>
0: but Michael Penix Jr. had an average week, we'll say didn't hurt himself. I don't know. I mean, we knew who he was. Would he have helped himself potentially by playing or are you okay with that?
1: I'm okay with it. Uh it'd been nice if he just went out there a quarter and just did something. I mean Boatniks played a quarter, which I would say I, I highly thought that that was very good of him for his uh, draft. I, I'm not going to say draft stock, but just to go out there and play uh, as well as Spencer Rattler. But Spencer probably had the most approved out of any quarterback down there. And he seemed, you know, going through the week and even going four for four because um, there was no pressure situations where he had to make executive decisions with a ball in his hands late in the game, which is a critical factor of mine that I don't think he does very well. Uh, but to go him to go out there and do that and make the nice throw down the field, uh, I think that they did nothing but help themselves.
0: Right. So you talked about the Spencer Rattler touchdown to the corner to, to Marcus Rosamy, Jack Saint from, from uh, Georgia. And Georgia. then – the long bomb that Tez Walker couldn't come down with on the first throw from Bo Nix. Bo Nix, is, uh, I think the last pass he made was a touchdown to uh, Brevin that the big tight end from Minnesota, where he nice. was rolling right, threw across his body, and like, okay, but it, the, the play was completed, the catch was made in the end zone, touchdown. It didn't even feel like a dangerous play when you saw the replay, but uh, just something to keep in mind is talk about Bo Nix. Another guy, and our guy Charles Davis, talked this player up at the end of the NFL Network telecast, Braden Fisk, the interior defensive lineman, uh, and Lee J. talked about him last last Tuesday on the podcast out of Florida State, sawed off incredibly stout at the point of attack. I think he had a really good week. And we had talked about him over the course of the fall when there wasn't a ton of buzz about him. But I felt like he helped himself, too.
1: Yeah, no, he had a really good week. I think the biggest concern will be going forward. There's no question about the effort and energy he plays with, the instincts he has as a defensive lineman, uh, you know, and how hard he played, how hard he went down there all week at the senior bowl. I know the switch from one team to the next team, I mean, shows that <laughs> he is yeah, unselfishly uh, did what was asked of him to do speaks volumes of his character, to be honest with you. Uh, we're not putting up a stink. You know, he's one of those guys that as you want to roll the ball out the a playground, he'll play. There was no, you know, whether I'm on this team, that team just let me get out there and play and participate and compete. And he's a, one of the ultimate competitors, at least the, that's the way I walked out of last week. I think the biggest concern will be the arm length. Uh, I believe it was 31 inches arms. And is that going to be an issue when he gets up here and starts going against NFL caliber uh, offensive centers and guards? And will he be able to still disengage and get off blocks, even though he has shorter arms? But football player, he would be definitely in just a good football player category
0: for me. 6'3", 31-inch arms on the dot. I think you've done this before. But, again, he could just say, what if he says in the interview, Kalejagansi has 29-inch arms? What do you yeah. say to that?
1: No, yeah. I mean, he's going to – you know, if I were him, it's like, just watch my tape, okay? It was like when, you know, we talk about the quarterback's hand size. I remember when we drafted Teddy Bridgewater, uh, it was all about the hand size and was he going to be good. And, you know, before he had that devastating injury – he had made it to the Pro Bowl as an alternate, and I think he was on his way. So you can get into all the measurables, but what ends up happening is when you evaluate these guys and it's what's in their heart, what's in their head, what type of football player they are, and they have the ability to play at the next level. And just because they have, may have a short arm, or it may be like Brian Branch ran four five eight, you know, that you can
0: put so much into that, but just trust your eyes and what you see on the tape. All right, I'm going to remind you that when we get to the combine, we see these guys running fast or slow, and you start falling in love with guys. So I make sure you remember to your own words.
1: Okay, just don't estimate heights on guys coming up on a stage because it was embarrassing for me last <laughs> year. And I, yeah, I Five had to 11. apologize. God, you got to be at
0: least six two. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said six three, but uh, fair enough. Uh, What about Cody Schrader, the running back out of Missouri, transferred from Truman State Division II, I believe, was on no one's radar coming into this season. In fact, Amanda Gare, our colleague, was working sideline for the Missouri games. She texted me in the middle of the season. Has there been any buzz about Cody Schrader? I said zero buzz. He was on none of of the, the scouting services, weren't paying attention to him over the summer. And here he is, fantastic season, one of the best running backs in the SEC. Had a really good week, too, I thought.
1: Yeah, no, he is a low center of gravity, runs with authority. Uh, I don't think he's going to be as fast as Pacheco, but he runs with that type of anger uh, and that type of violence. Uh, The thing that surprised me that I didn't know was was much coming out of the fall is how well he caught the ball out the backfield. Yep. And I thought uh, he showed that he can do that. So I still think he's going to be a Saturday guy, in my opinion. but I think uh, someone's going to get a very good football player because of his tenacity uh, and his violence. It's fun to watch him run the ball because he's going to be the
0: hammer more than he's going to be the nail when defenders come up and try to hit him. All right. I'm going to test you on, on the words that you just spoke a moment ago. What if he runs a four three nine? Well, then he's going to go on Friday. <laughs> so, you just said, don't read too much into the numbers.
1: I know, but you're talking about a skill guy. So, OK, okay. You, w- what if uh, one of your favorite receivers uh, runs a four eight? Are you going to say, oh, yeah, I'm not going to. Right. A, a runs a 4.8, which he's not going to do. But you're going but, to say, OK, I'm still going to take him in the top 10. Just to spite you, I'm going to take him in the tops <laughs> well, Remember, I'm just a scout in the corner just trying to contribute any way I can. Didn't make it to the Super Bowl, but I can uh, just try to compute,
0: contribute from my undisclosed location. <laughs> your undisclosed, your you're underground bunker. And finally, uh, in terms of the, the the pops, and I should have labeled this pops when we started because we like to do pops or drops. Luke McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey's brother, obviously Christian's playing in the Super Bowl. And uh, Luke played at Rice. And he had probably the catch of the day, a little one-handed grab. It looked like a little hot route. Um, I can't remember who threw him, though. I think it was Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman struggled with accuracy. But, again, I'm not going to have that too much against him. Great one-handed catch, pulled it in. I thought he had a quietly a good week, even though his last name's McCaffrey and everyone knows who his brother is.
1: How how about about a fun fact that my son, J.D., played with Luke McCaffrey at Nebraska when he was a quarterback? He was a quarterback, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I remember watching him at a quarterback, a uh, little bit inconsistent as a thrower, but such a phenomenal athlete with the ball in his hands. So uh, he ended up transferring out of Nebraska and then went on and, and became a receiver. I think he's one of those smart, crafty slot guys. Uh, I know Rice, just watching him before I went down there a little bit, uh, trying to generate ways to get the ball in his hands because he's such a, a, a good athlete. Um, and he can make plays. I just don't know what his long speed is, uh, but very crafty, very smart. You can tell he played quarterback because he can read defenses, know how to settle uh, in the zone area, and, you know, reliable hands, and will make an NFL team and probably be a pretty good NFL player. I don't think he'll be his brother, but I do think that he'll be a solid NFL contributor once he gets drafted.
0: I have vague memories of their dad, Ed McCaffrey. Rank who's the better athlete, Ed or Christian?
1: Oh, Christian by far.
0: All right. What about Ed or Luke? <sighs> Is that Luke? Maybe. Who?
1: Yeah, I can't. I don't know. I, the mom's the better athlete.
0: She was a soccer. She's an player. athlete too. Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. She she was a pretty oh. good uh, so soccer have player. Pair of jeans, and Ed just has one pair. Okay, fair enough. I was just thinking about that because I remember Ed back in the day. I think Ed had the best mustache, so he wins that. <laughs> All right, let's do some drops, too, guys who probably didn't help themselves. Uh, Joe Milton, I I mentioned Sam Hartman and Carter Bradley struggling. Joe Milton sort of redefined struggling. He threw one of the interceptions to to Smith Wade. He threw another one to Evan Williams in the end zone when he tried to throw across his body. I think he was trying to throw to Schrader on that that pass attempt. He had uh, rolled right, scrambled, and he could have run, if I recall correctly. But the arm strength's there, and one of the things I noticed in the game that we didn't see in practice, because it's hard to simulate sometimes, it felt like that if he he struggled to get the ball out of his hands, it, struggled, it looked like he was not comfortable with what he was looking at, and then inevitably he would end up running. And that's a recipe for disaster at the next level. Am I reading too much into that, or is that just something we saw in Tennessee?
1: And I had an opportunity to see him live when he played against Alabama this year. And the same thought, the physical tools are there, the athleticism is there, the arm talent is there, is can he process quick enough? Uh, He may be, I don't know how he did during the interview process with the teams. I don't know how well he talked football. I'm sure that he was fine in that area, but there's a difference and I told you in the past where I've made some mistakes is intelligence and then mental quickness and how quickly he can process. And I just think that if he doesn't see the first guy open, that he doesn't know what to go with the ball, whether he's going to run, can he get to second or third read, what you're going to have to do at the NFL level. He didn't do it in college. Maybe with all that talent, that's why I believe he was just a one-year starter. Six year, Was he six-year? Because uh, he transferred a couple times. I know he transferred from Florida uh, to Tennessee. and, Michigan. and Mich- Or Michigan, yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's something missing with this kid, not physically, and maybe he's intelligent when he talks football, but just processing, processing and getting through his reads and can he get through his progressions?
0: And that showed up in the Senior Bowl again. Right, physically, there's he's second to none in terms of the arm strength. I mean, he he's throwing lasers out there. Is there is the, are the concerns compounded because the Senior Bowl defenses are as vanilla as they get? Yes. Okay. Because, I mean, yeah. that's, you're not seeing it, Steve Spagnuolo out there. No, no,
1: no. Or Mike McDonald or whoever you want to throw out there, are all these right. great defensive minds out there in the NFL. Uh, and we see guys, the Bryce Youngs, who are quick processors, and, and C.J. Stroud, but he had a phenomenal year. Uh, but even early, those guys initially struggled. Uh, you know, I remember yeah. – Talking about CJ Stroud versus New England in that first preseason game that we evaluated and talked about on the podcast, he looked like a deer in headlights. Unfortunately for me, I just think Joe looks like a deer in headlights, and I haven't seen any improvement
0: yet. And that's what you're looking for. And that's well, you know, we still have. I got to do the countdown. I've 80 something days to go. I'd imagine I'll I'll make it official next week when I get back on in the home studio. But 80 days to figure this out. All right. Let's talk about some uh, another name of, of a player that I mentioned earlier who didn't have the, the best. His week I thought was fine. His game was was troubling in that if you look at just the score line, seven to twenty five for sixty nine yards. He also threw an interception. Sam Hartman, but again, I unlike Joe Milton, I have a sense for what Sam Hartman can do, and I know what his limitations are. He feels like a middle of the day three guy for me in the fall. That hasn't really changed. The only thing that changed is I got to see his hair in person. And, again, I thought I was jealous looking at your hair. Sam's got some great <laughs> hair. But other than the, the 7 to 25, and he was just out there behind a porous offensive line, asked to take a ton of reps because I can't remember if Spencer or Bo Nix was on his team, but they only did took a few series and they were done.
1: Yeah, no, I thought he was just average, to be honest with you, down at the senior bowl even during the week. Uh, He has to be an anticipatory thrower. I don't think he has the same arm talent and velocity as some of the other quarterbacks down there. If he's going to be successful, he's going to have to rely on his smarts and his anticipation and his ability to throw the ball before the receiver gets out of his break, especially with the tight windows in the NFL. He had, you know, he had some good, but he also had some poor games for Notre Dame. And you thought, Hey, I'm transferring from Wake Forest. I ran that whatever type of offense Wake Forest does. Yeah, I threw up all these numbers, and then all of a sudden, it it gets up to maybe a higher level of competition, more of a, I would say, you know, NFL type offense that they ran at Notre Dame. Um, And you know, he had his struggles when he didn't have the mesh zone read whatever things that they did down at uh, Wake Forest, which works great for Wake Forest, but I don't know if it's going to work in the NFL. I wouldn't be surprised. I could see him getting drafted late. I don't think he's a middle-of-the-third-day guy. I wouldn't be oh. surprised if he later. Uh, ended at, uh, later or college-free
0: agent. Okay. And I thought he showed me at least that he was a better athlete. He ran better than I thought he did because he had to do that quite a bit in that game. Uh, the other thing, as you mentioned about the Wake Forest transfers, that Wake Forest team had had him, had your guy Kobe Turner, had At Perry, who had a good rookie season, and they had Kenneth Walker, the third. That's a pretty good crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they've.
1: It's amazing the head coach down there and some of the talent they get down there. But at Wake Forest, I wouldn't consider them having the same budget, especially potentially with the NIL <laughs> and some of these uh, upper echelon schools. Um, <laughs> But they do a phenomenal job coaching. They do a phenomenal job with the talent that they are able to get to make sure that they get the best out of that talent.
0: Budget, that's the only way of putting it for sure. Uh, And finally, let's circle, let's bring this thing full circle. UNC wide receiver, Tez Walker, we talked about him all last week. Didn't play the first few games, handful of games, because of NCAA silliness, as I like to call it. Had a good season, and then he left his hands at home, it felt like. And I'm not trying to crush the kid, but he had a tough week.
1: Yeah, no, he struggled catching the ball, and it was almost like he was trying too hard instead of just relaxing. And some guys, sometimes these guys get into that situation, and there was no question about his speed, his athleticism, and everything you're looking for in a receiver. But as we said last week, you have to be able to catch the ball if you're going to be a receiver. And he did catch the ball well, I thought, in what some of the limited looks that I got when he was at North Carolina, but it looked like, you know, he just, whatever reason, he really struggled down there catching the ball. And sometimes you're almost trying too hard uh, and trying to do too much. Just look the ball in your hands and catch it. So hopefully uh, he'll be able to rebound at the combine. Hopefully he runs the routes and shows that his hands aren't as bad as they looked down at the senior bowl.
0: And, again, the Senior Bowl isn't the end-all, be-all. I we'll always talk about our guy, Tyson, ba- it right, sure Tyson Bajan. It sure did raise a red flag, though, with him. Well, that's the thing. Tyson Bajan had a tough week last year in the Senior Bowl. He did not get drafted, but he certainly had a good start to his rookie season. But, right, it doesn't. you're not helping yourself. You can make things a lot easier by just catching the football, which I thought he did pretty consistently when he was on the field at UNC as well. All right, we're going to take a quick break with Rick. But before we do, stream wall-to-wall coverage with our CBS Sports HQ team of hosts, insiders, and at- analysts. As they tackle the biggest storylines, interview the game's brightest stars, and keep you up to date with the latest betting odds, and much more leading up to the best Sunday of the year. All right, right after this, we will talk about, (laughs) except for Rick.
1: Except for me, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Debo put that in there specifically for you. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about how the 49ers and Chiefs were built right after this. All right, Rick. Uh, I'm pretty sure Debo took that shot right to your gut. That was a, that was a warning shot. So take that to heart. Hey, I just got to get better. I will work, get, try to get better. and Maybe I make the cut next year. As uh, I used to play pick up basketball in college and I wasn't very good. As one of the guys told me, he blocked my shot. Don't get mad. Get better. So, <laughs> lesson learned. When I seen
1: you jump, you're not going to get better. <laughs> Don't get mad. Go work on your degree. <laughs>
0: yeah. There we go. That's right. Uh, yeah. What should I work on? That's what I should ask them. <laughs> All right, let's start with the 49ers. Um, do you have a sense for what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are looking for from your days as a GM uh, or just a, a general overview of what, the way they build their team? Because they have misses, trade Lance, but they hit a lot of home runs, whether it's through the draft or, or the trades. Christian McCaffrey trade clearly worked out, and, and they seem to be able to put it all together to Trent Williams. Right? I mean, Chase Young um, – there was a tweet going around last week during the Lions, two weeks ago in the Lions game, where Chase Young showed very minimal effort. On, I think Jameer Gibbs touched down, but he certainly feels like he was worth the third-round pick. So what's your overall take on their philosophy for, for the personnel?
1: I think right now that they do a, a, a really good job drafting. Everybody has their misses. I've had my misses, uh, but they seem to learn. I know they are looking for specific type of athletes, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But for some of the misses, look at how many great hits they've had, especially with Warner, especially with Greenlaw, some of those guys down the line. But when you look at their, and I was looking at their roster construction, we can go into it a little deeper, is because they were able to trade Trey Lance, uh, because Brock Purdy is under a rookie deal, that they're – Gives them a lot more fixed flexibility to go out and do what they did in free agency this past year to go sign a Hargrave to go sign even a Richie James who we don't even talk about much but what an impact he's kind of had as a returner and some of the ways that he's contributed on offense uh, Trent Williams who they went and traded for so they do a great job identifying talent and from the veteran standpoint and bringing them into their culture because they have a, such a strong culture in that locker room. And they may not always rely on the draft, but rely on supplementing what they do in the draft with some 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 really key acquisitions through trades and free agency.
0: Yeah, J.R. Brown, the rookie out of Penn State, safety, he played a ton. Um, I think he got Pro Bowl nod. Did he get all pro? No. I was going to say, I was pacing myself there, but he had a really good rookie campaign. Well, he didn't actually end up getting playtime to Hufanga went on
1: IR. So and I was
0: going to say, Hufanga was a day three guy a few years ago. Who Right. I would imagine, I don't know, I was actually talking to a 49ers defensive coach last night about that. I was trying to figure out why he slipped to the to day three. Do you remember that evaluation? Was he too slow, too stiff, something? Because he played like he yeah, like was hair on fire. Yeah, no,
1: he plays hard, but it's even Hufunga. Everybody was questioned are they athletic enough to play out in space? Yeah. But San Francisco does a great job defensively, not putting those guys in situations where they're physically going to be exposed. So, whether they're bringing them down in the box, whether whatever they're doing from a schematic standpoint to highlight their strengths, not their weaknesses. And, you know, when you compare him, I try to compare him to brisker when he came out and brisker had a lot of ball production brisker was more athletic in my opinion yeah uh that ended up playing pretty good has been really good player for uh the chicago bears so i because they i looked at him and brown and i thought that brisker was better than brown but brown was a good
0: football player Debo informs me as a penn state alum that jr brown was a rookie all-pro so i thought i saw the word's by his name, but he's a it's rookie all-pro. It's not rookie all-pro. It's, it's rookie team. All right, you got that Debo rookie team. He's still smarting over the ad that you made me read. <laughs> um Debo's kind of grouchy today. Was he up late last night? He was actually up late working last night. He wasn't even having fun. Uh, and he got in late the night before. Uh Just so you know, I bought a sandwich, some M&Ms, and a water down at the hotel snack shop. 40 bucks. Well, <laughs> I wish I could find deals like that with some of the places
1: I had to stay over the last couple That's of weeks. That's true.
0: That's true. Look who I'm talking to here. Um. So Debo puts us in the rundown and you sort of touched on it. The, the Trey Lance trade, the trade of first round pick in 21, 22, 23 and a third rounder at 22 at the time. I probably asked you this. Did you think Matt Jones was going to be the guy on the table at three?
1: No. I, oh. I, yeah, I, again, you don't, Go into the, the um, hype or all the media smokescreen yes. stuff that's going <laughs> out there, you know. So I don't know. The only thing that back then that that and whether I was right or wrong was that Mac Jones that he has some similarities to coming out of Alabama. What Cousins did, you know, right. they're not great that's athletes, I but they're you know good pocket passers. They they are excellent as far as accuracy goes and things like that. And then Mac Jones, whether it's fair or not, just in his situation up in New England with all the different coordinators coming in and not as much talent maybe around him as he had at Alabama. I mean, if you look at the receivers he was throwing at Alabama, they're probably then the receivers he's been thrown with, with New England. So, uh, but he has to have some talent around him in order for him to succeed. But, you know, then it gets questioned into the, some of the decision-making he's been uh, producing at, at, new, new, at New England on what they're doing offensively. So for some reason, and sometimes it just wasn't a great match and it just didn't work out. So maybe he gets in a new environment. Maybe he's better. Who knows? I mean, I don't know if his story is completely told yet or not. Um, but It's told in New England. It's told in New England. Um but I would say that you know they made a mistake on Trey Lance, um, but you know then they rebound and hit on
0: Brock Purdy, and uh, let me ask but, you this: so Brock Purdy, obviously Mr. Irrelevant, we've talked that to death. Where's this organization if they didn't hit on Brock Brock Purdy? Then they they may be struggling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they they they're says-
1: like I said, they're very talented. Uh, they can win uh you know they won and got to the NFC championship game with jimmy g at quarterback because they can run the ball they can play good defense they can get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly to give it to the playmakers and they got excellent athletes at all across the board at all the skilled positions that really help a quarterback and i think it's helped brock purdy now purdy has you know exceeded expectations or he would have went a lot higher in the draft but would we be talking about Brock Purdy the same way if he was in a difference if he was in New England, and no, uh, he'd was be up there. Jones.
0: Yeah, North so, Carolina or wherever. That's right. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: So he got in the perfect situation and give him credit because he works his tail off and he's gotten better and he is who he is today not only because of his work ethic and his intelligence and his processing but was in the right system at the right place at the right time.
0: It feels like, and I think your, your point's important, you, you have to under. I mean, we have to make clear how much this is on Brock Purdy, the success he's gotten. But just like C.J. Stroud, uh, C.J. Stroud was in a perfect, we didn't know it at the time, Houston seemed like perhaps not a great landing spot, but with Bobby Sloke and D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud did the heavy lifting, but it helped to have a support system, and Kyle Shanahan's offense is certainly a support system, and Brock Purdy has made the most of it and vice versa I would even say, look, Sam Darnold's on the team now, and let's say they just happened in another universe, didn't get Brock Purdy and had to roll with Sam Darnold. They're still not as good because Brock Purdy has been that good. I think we had a limited sample size of, of Sam Darnold playing this year, and he was okay. It wasn't like he, he looked like the Jets uh, and the, the Panthers, maybe a little better version of that Sam Darnold. But I don't think they're nearly as good with just plug-and-play QB guy like a Sam Darnold over Brock Purdy.
1: No, and – but you don't know.
0: I mean, exactly. maybe Sam Darnold,
1: I mean, you're speculating. Like, I'm sure everybody out there is is speculating uh, on all this stuff. But you don't know that unless he actually got in there. And let's say he got into rhythm and played. Uh, but I know that he wasn't better than Brock
0: Purdy, or else right. he would be starting instead of Brock. Do you uh, remember your evaluation on Brock? Because I know the year before he had a pretty good season. Had he come out at Iowa State, came yeah, it didn't.
1: Yeah, didn't play as well. He didn't have the same talent around him. You know, smart, uh, good enough arm, uh, made pretty good decisions. But there's nothing really that just jumped off the tape with you when he was coming out of college. So, uh, And that's probably why he was drafted the last pick in the seventh round. There was no, like, boy, this guy makes great plays with his legs or this guy has a tremendous arm. But he processes uh he did a lot of good things, but there was nothing that just you could hang your hat on to say, this guy is going to be who we're seeing today when he came out of college.
0: So the Justin Jefferson draft, he was the fifth wide receiver taken. That's always a fun story to tell Debo, but it's the pick right before was was Debo's guy, Jalen Rager, for the Eagles. And according to Debo's research, there was some speculation that had J.J. been gone, Brandon Yook might have been a target for the Vikings And you don't even have to confirm or deny that. But do you remember the evaluation of IU? He was at the Senior Bowl, I remember, but he didn't, he didn't practice to get a lingering injury. He only ran a four-five range. But again, he might be one of the underrated best route runners in the NFL. And he is an important part to what they do. Well, if you remember, uh,
1: he was a J.C. kid that I believe ended up, you know, end, ended up at Arizona State. Uh, and... We spent a lot of time on him. I'll ne- neither confirm nor deny what the- we were going to do. That's all history now. And we can move on in life. Um, but the one thing that there was no question about was his athleticism. His, you know, he needed some route work, but you can see the bursts into and out of his cuts. And he struggled early until, you know, last year and this year is when all of a sudden everything started clicking with him. And that's what you got to be careful with. Some of these guys take time and it's like now he understands the system so he can go out there and play fast. I didn't have a question. I thought he played faster than that time speed because it showed up on the Arizona State tape. He reminded me a little bit of uh, Chris Chambers when I watched him because of his long arms, because his ability to catch the ball away from his body. It was just a matter of J.C. kid that went to Arizona State. I think he was only there a year or maybe two. I can't remember. Uh, So there was a lot of raw physical tools to work with, but it was going to take him time. And it was going to take patience. And now that time and patience has paid off over the last two years. And it's going to be interesting Uh, with him coming up. And if he does hit the free agent market, is he going to be – because there's a lot of very good receivers in the UFA market this year. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, there's you know a lot of guys out there. But the question will be with teams is, okay, we're seeing what Ayuk is doing, and he's made some incredible catches. He looks like a number one receiver. But can't he be a number one receiver uh, with a team that doesn't have the same – Offensive weapons all around him, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. We, we saw it. In a sense, we saw it when Antonio Brown left the Steelers and Juju Smith Schuster was asked to be that guy. The only thing changed is Antonio Brown. So sometimes, are you a number one or are you a number two? In this system, it feels like it's almost interchangeable because of what they do with Debo and even Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle. Um, let me ask about this. And Debo did a great job of sort of laying out how these rosters were constructed, uh, players drafted by Browns. Fred Warner was a third round pick out of BYU. He might be top 3 linebacker, maybe even higher. I mean, we could have the Roquan Smith. I don't know there's a better,
1: yeah, linebacker yeah. playing right now in the game like he's playing maybe Roquan Smith at Baltimore. Uh and he was a major impact when Baltimore made that trade to how their defense elevated since they got him. Uh but you can you can argue that Fred is Warner is the
0: best linebacker in the game right now. Um with he's the incredible way he's coming played. downhill. He's incredible in space. The, you typically they the 49ers don't let you throw the ball in the middle of the field. And that's one of the matchups we had in the Lions game because the Lions and and uh, Ben Johnson like to wear you out in the middle of the field. So that was certainly it went one way in the first half and and then things settled down. But just because he is so rangy and again, third round pick. Do you remember that evaluation? What was it? Yeah, oh,
1: when he like came him. out. Yeah, when he came out of BYU, it was, you know, there was no question about. I thought we really liked him coming out. Our scouts liked him. Our coaches liked him. Um, but we had Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks at the time, so we weren't going to go linebacker, even though he was very talented coming out of BYU. Um, I remember how impressive he was through the interview process, how smart he was through the interview process. And he's ended up being, like I said, the tone setter for their defense. He's the engine that makes everything go on that defensive side of the ball and is is an impact player. And now it's like linebackers, you know, they're starting to become, I don't want to say an argument, but uh, do you play a linebacker are they that valuable compared to a corner and to pass rushers? You know. But if you if you look at Fred Warner, if you look at Roquan Smith, yeah, you pay those guys because they're
0: impact players uh, for your defense. And Dre Greenlaw has uh, he will run through a like he'll run through a tank if you want him to. Look, he he's not messing around either. And he certainly benefits from playing alongside Fred Warner, vice versa. But he's another guy that was uh, day three or later draft pick and that's the other thing I you know the Trey Lance thing is front and center but they've hit on a ton of guys you talked about Jared Brown, Purdy, Greenlaw, George Kittle's a fifth round pick and that's the important part because you can hit on the first rounders so how important were the day three picks to get right in terms of you're not going to get starters necessarily you might hit up get lucky once in a while but you need them to fill up the roster you can't miss another day three guys. No, those
1: are the guys that we spent just as much time on on day three as we did on the you know first and second rounders because those guys they may not be ready uh, to go their rookie year uh, and then may some you maybe just misjudged that they would be that ready but Greenlaw Kittle all those guys um, done a phenomenal job on those day three because those are your uh, financial cap savers. Those are the guys that you don't have to pay that are on rookie contracts that help fill out your roster. And if you can find blue level players in the third day, you're you're getting great value because you're paying them day three money, but they're playing it, you know, first round pro bowl level type. Uh, you know, we 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 were pretty uh, adamant about trying to really hone in on that third day with our analytics and. I thought our scouts always did a great job in that on that side of it. We have some players that are still playing for Minnesota that were day three guys that had major impact. You know, The biggest one probably was Diggs that we got in the fifth round. Um, but those guys uh, are huge value uh, for your roster and your cap planning that gives you flexibility to go out and make some of the trades that San Francisco has made. Now you eventually got to pay them uh but you know those guys the best so if you're hitting on your draft picks i always believe that pay those guys that you draft and develop because those are the core of your uh, football team one want them too. another day three yeah yeah there was uh metellus uh josh metellus is playing yeah. very well uh kj osborne uh cam bynum they're uh you know, there's some pretty good uh, – our scouts did a phenomenal job trying to – and coaches did a phenomenal job trying to identify those guys and end up uh, being pretty good contributors for for the Vikings.
0: You deserve some of the credit too, Rick. No, nah, I
1: give it – no, I'm just, uh, just a figurehead. Just a pretty face like on this scout in the corner just trying <laughs> to –
0: you went from figurehead to scout in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Yeah,
1: the circle of life, it's called.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Chiefs roster right after this. All right, Rick, I could just have Debo replay our segment from a year ago about how the Chiefs roster was built with get out of here because uh, it feels like we're talking about this team every year. Things have changed, of course, especially with the wide receiver crew. But in general – um do you have a central what brett beach and andy Reid want to do when they're, they're putting this this group together
1: yeah there's no question that they are heavily involved in trying to draft well and then build that team through the draft uh and last year when they won the super bowl look at the, the draft picks that they oh, had boy. all the guys on the defensive side of the ball had to come in and start and um and Steve and Spags and that whole defensive group did a great job identifying talent and developing it. And McDuffie uh, is, you know, I think he's an All-Pro the way he's played and yeah, how, so. how quickly he's come along. And uh, Karloftis and and all the guys that contributed as a rookie, and Karloftis took another step this year into being a, a, a very uh, good football player. I don't think their rookie class had as big of impact this year as they did in previous years. But Kansas City seems to want to spend the money if they do go and dabble in free agency, always up front on the offensive line, whether that's Tooney, whether that is you know uh, Taylor, who they uh, signed from Jacksonville this year and gave him a lot of money. So it seems like if they're going to get aggressive and go out and maybe spend some money on free agency, that is going to be uh, up front on the offensive line. But because of Mahomes, because they had to pay Mahomes, that this is the difference between them and San Francisco, in my opinion. San Francisco still has a flexibility to go out and do a Christian McCaffrey or Chase Young or a Hargrave or those type of guys to come in and have an immediate impact, where Kansas City now they're paying their quarterback have to rely on, on those coaches and those scouts bringing in talent through the draft and relying on them to step in and fill some of the boards that they may lose in free agency. Pacheco, another one.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. been
1: outstanding. I was just going
0: to say they've absolutely crushed it in the draft, which allows you to pay your quarterback like he deserves to be paid. But even going back to 2020, Willie Gay, Legereus Sneed, Michael Dana in that draft class, the 21 class, Nick Bolton, Creed Humphrey, Noah Gray's contributor. Trey Smith was drafted in the sixth round because he had some medical concerns, but he's the starting guard and he's really good. And then you mentioned McDuffie last year's draft class, Carloptis. Sky Moore, maybe, I don't want to come to the biggest disappointment, but the, he has been the least productive so far and they have hopes for him, certainly. But Brian Cook, before he got hurt, was playing, starting at safety. Josh Williams stepped in uh, from Fayetteville State to play corner. Jalen Watson, the seventh round pick, along with Isaiah Pacheco, both starters last year. And that's that, that's uncommon to have two seventh round picks start for you on both sides of the ball and actually play pretty well. But that's when you, when you get the guys right uh, on day three, like you were talking about earlier, that's how that works. When you have someone like uh, Patrick Mahomes. And then this year, of course they took Rushy rice, Jamari Conner played a little bit. Jamari Conner didn't fall in that fumble in the bills game and the playoffs and I almost jumped to the screen. And, uh, but uh, he's gotten some run and then Felix under An- DK Uzama, um He might be on the George Carl after pass. You don't need him. Path. You don't need him to, to dominate year one. DeAndre out at Kansas State, but Rasheed Rice has come on and then some. And I don't remember where you were in Rasheed, but in Seattle, I, I didn't love. Him.
1: Yeah, we talked about him last year, and we were questioning how fast he is because he was in a <laughs> lot of contested situations. Now he had great hands, made a lot of catches in contested situations, but probably underestimated. The athlete and the athlete uh, with the ball in his hands after the catch a little bit. Uh, was was <laughs> much <laughs> seen it a lot more than maybe that you've seen in college. But there was no question about his hands a, and his ability to go up and get the ball. And he struggled early in the season, yeah. just like a lot of these rookies. And then all of a sudden, the second half of the season and now he's hitting it right when Kansas City needs it because they need someone else to throw the ball to. Besides uh, uh, Kelsey, Uh, the other guy that kind of stepped in and uh, uh, did a pretty good job with Donovan Smith got cut by Tampa. You know, Kansas City signed him to play the left tackle because they replaced both tackles this year. But Wani Morris came in and played on the left side uh, and filled in admirably. And I think
0: he's going to be their starting left tackle going forward uh, after this season. We saw him at the Senior Bowl, and we both were impressed with him because there wasn't a lot of Wanya Morris buzz at the time because right. Anton Harrison was the was the guy we were talking about. I think Wanya played. He must have played right tackle. He was the right football. tackle. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So, And So the
0: fact that he athletic really right up. tackle.
1: Yeah, and then to identify that athleticism and start developing him on the left side again. Kudos to Brett Veach and and that uh, scouts and coaching staff because that's the most critical piece of all this that we're talking about is that it's not like the old days where scouts, scouts will get you the players and you just coach what we get. It has to be a collaborative effort because everybody's vested in those players uh, when they come in in the building. And if you can get the coaches and the scouts to sign off on guys, then they have a chance to have a chance if you were right in your evaluation.
0: So, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, we talk to death because he's Patrick Mahomes. But that draft class was Mr. Bisky, was. uh, What's his name? Uh, Deshaun Watson. And then we had Patrick Mahomes. Do you remember? We've talked about this already uh, numerous times. Caleb Williams is better coming out of college than Patrick Mahomes was. What were the concerns about Patrick? Because when I went back, we talked about this in the fall when we were yelling this here about Caleb holding the ball too long. Patrick got the ball out quickly, and as you noted, he was in the air raid offense with Kingsbury. What were the concerns with Patrick? Was it the the transition from the air raid college to what that would look like in the NFL or anything else?
1: Yeah, and he didn't have to play right away, so he was able to sit behind Alex Smith for a year uh, to learn. But it was – you've seen the arm talent. You've seen the athleticism. The off-schedule throws that he made were some incredible throws at Texas Tech. It was just – is he going to, is that going to translate to the NFL? Uh, and if you can, I don't want to say best way to say, rein in that horse a little bit, because he was a little bit of a, uh, he didn't mind putting on a uh, Cowboy Joe rodeo show when he was out there. <laughs> Cowboy at Texas Joe Tech. <laughs> <Show>. <laughs> that's a new one. Mark that one down. Cowboy <laughs> but, but, Joe it, but that's Radio. what makes Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. But the thing that you're, you're seeing even last year, even when they traded away uh, Hill, Tyreek Hill, uh, yeah. and even this year where the receivers struggled with the drops, all of a sudden when it's crunch time and, and these games mean something and when you get into the playoffs for whatever he has, and that's what you're trying to identify in these quarterbacks, whatever that ability is in his head or in his heart, he just takes it to another level. And – um, it, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that have that, but this, like Tom, the, the great ones all do that. And you have to put, uh, Patrick Mahomes in that category.
0: Have you ever like looked into a player's eyes or face, saw his face, and you had a sense that this was not going to go well? Like you knew, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Like every yeah, every time I look into you and Debo's eyes in this
1: podcast, is oh. But I mean, you
0: talk about Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) Like, okay, I I have Andrew has nothing to worry about above the neck. But sometimes you have the best athlete on the field who's a head case and you're not sure how things are going to. Like, they don't. That's the things
1: you try to identify with all the tests, even though those aren't as accurate as you think they are, a la S two with CJ Stroud, but. You know, even last year when I did go to the Super Bowl and we did have CJ <laughs> <C>. Stroud <laughs> on the set, was there, you could sense that when you talked to that guy, there was something there when you looked at him in his yeah. eyes and we were interviewing him. Uh, even though we were kidding around with him a little bit, uh, you can tell there was something to that kid, the way uh, he interviewed and the
0: way he was looking at us when we were on the set. One other thing I want to ask you about Patrick Mahomes, and we'll get out of there. You hear it all the time. You talk about the off schedule throws and the arm angles. Does baseball matter? Is that a good thing that he played baseball or is that just something we talk about in the media?
1: Uh, I think it, yeah, maybe baseball. I don't know. I wish I was okay. smart enough to say that. I mean, you were the what? Minor, 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 minor league baseball guy?
0: I was a backup on my college baseball team. So, yes, I think that's the same description. <laughs> it did make a difference you doing a podcast with me. Like, I didn't win a national title and get to the Hall of Fame, Rick, if that's what you're asking me. So
1: it, it may have something to do with it, you know, uh, with the arm angles, but I've seen guys that work very good baseball players probably or never played baseball that are pretty good
0: quarterbacks. You did win a national title, right? Yes, we did. Yeah, I thought you did. I want to make sure I wasn't giving you too much credit. Yeah. The Salukis. you beat Western Carolina? Is that correct? Western Carolina, Clyde Simmons back in Clyde the day. Clyde Simmons was on that team. That's right. Debo's guy, Clyde Simmons. All right. That is it. I think we're doing another podcast later this week, too, with our buddy Josh Edwards. So, Thursday, that will be the show. If something changes, Debo will let you know. He will send you a handwritten note. But uh, in the meantime, thanks to my guy, Rick. Thanks to Debo for producing. Thanks to you guys who watch and listen and comment. We'll be back later this week. Me from Las Vegas, and Rick from who knows where. See you guys. And I later. location. <laughs>